It's not always the big things that change the world. It's the small acts of kindness that happen repeatedly over a lifetime that make the world a better place. So every week we share a story of someone like you who is doing good in the world in their own way. Welcome to Doing Good with Carmen Herbert. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Doing Good. I'm your host, Carmen Herbert, and today I am so excited to have on the podcast a woman that I love and look up to, even though we've met one time maybe two, I think, I think only one time in person, person, Al, you probably don't even remember. It was at a bountiful fireside, like eight years ago, like in bountiful Utah, a long time ago. And I spoke right after you. Um, but, and it was like this brief, Hey, how are you? Hi. Um, but I followed you for a couple of years and, and we've done some firesides together for our turtle house and I just think you are such an amazing example. So please welcome to the podcast, Al Caraway. Al, thank you so much for joining me today. Hello. Uh, Hello. So for those of you who don't know Al, she's amazing. She's a convert to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. She's a writer, multi-award winning international speaker. Um, you've written several books. Most recent is Wildly Optimistic. Also, she has written more than the Tattooed Mormon and Cheers to Eternity. Al, do you get so sick? Do people come up to you and they're like, the Tattooed Mormon? And do you get so sick of that title? <laughs> um, yeah, I actually hated the title always. I did not intend for that to ever be a name or nickname for me. And it is haunting me to the grave. <laughs> you know, in retrospect, I've been called much worse. So I'll take that title. You'll I won't, take the I won't correct me. anyone. I won't call anyone out. But I, yes, I, I, I hate it a lot. <laughs> uh, so how, so can I ask, how, how did it get approved? Oh, like, I did it. Okay. I, I came up with that name unintentionally because i wrote this blog post it went viral um this was forever ago not even married yet over a million views in half a day and so i wrote about an experience of how i was treated by someone and i didn't want my tattoos to be the point of the post so i was thinking how can i write about the experience without mentioning how i look but still have them know what i was referring to so I thought I was being, you know, I, you know, I put it in the title, Tattooed Mormon. So yes. then that way I could write about the experience without talking about how I look because I never wanted the, that to ever be a thing. Got it. Not knowing it is, yep, following Totally me to the, a thing. I totally did it to myself. I didn't even, <laughs> didn't even know. <laughs> well, but it is, it, it does, um create this like buzz like wait what because some people still think wait a minute you can't have tattoos and be a member of the church and how did that happen and then it, it gives you're able to explain your whole amazing conversion story and how you came to accept the gospel so it's a great conversation piece but i'm sure you're like please just call me out my name it's my name fine. is Al. And i i think people actually feel uncomfortable calling me al i think everyone knows my name is al but when they come to meet me in person they feel like maybe that's wrong because it's a, it's a guy's name so they just <laughs> default to nick i don't know they just feel uncomfortable saying <laughs> al like wait am i pronouncing it right is it really like a dude i don't know letters. <laughs> the nicknames just come out and that's fine because like i said i've been called much worse that's so. fine yep i love it <laughs> 
I love it. But Al, like Ali, like that's Allison. That's what I think. Like, that's totally a girl's name. I don't think like Big Al or, you know. Well, yeah. Yeah. So we were, who is it? Christian, my middle. He just has the hardest time eating dinner. So we played the Just Eat It by Weird Al Yankovic. Oh. (laughs) Just eat it. So um, Christian's like, who is this? And my husband goes, oh, that his name's Al. He, Christian goes, Al's a girl's name. Because he oh. knows, I'm the only <laughs> Al that he knows. That is so cute. Like, that's, no, that's so weird. It's like, well, you're the only Al. Sweet boy. That is awesome. Okay, I better finish reading your bio so we can get to the actual podcast. Okay, so after a decade living in Arizona and Utah, in, and Utah you are now living with your husband, Ben, and three kids, Gracie, Christian, who you just talked about. And is it Mercy? Just kidding. Mercy? Mercy. I want to say it in French. Mercy? Mercy. Um, back when you – back where you were raised, which is in New York. So you mm-hmm. are in New York now. Um, Al spent the last 11 years traveling worldwide, inspiring others of our conversion and faith through difficult times. And your passion is to tell everyone that happiness exists and it comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he's real and how to find love, um, how to find and love him, Jesus Christ, in the hard in the unwanted and the unexpected. I love that because through it all with God, with God, we have every reason to be wildly optimistic. Um, I love that so much. You are, you have a huge following on Instagram. Um, it's Al Caraway on Instagram and you are so real. I don't know that I've ever met someone or, or followed someone that is, is completely candid and real about your experiences as you. It's, it's not, a, I'm going to pretty things up and make it look all nice and package it in a beautiful Instagram bow and present it to you in a perfect way. There are so many posts that you are just like completely broken wide open and sharing your soul. And I think that's what connects me for sure. But connects so many people to you is that it's like, life is hard. It's so rough. And you've done videos and, and like, I don't know, what are they called now? Reels or Insta stories where you're shedding like actual tears, like crying and sobbing and like, oh my gosh, this just happened. And this is so hard and, and so real. So did you, have you always been, it's the New York in me. Is it the New York? Yeah. You know, I think, well, yes and no. Yes. And New Yorkers, we tend to um, not filter things. That is, that is absolutely the New York way. Um, But yeah, I think that's, I think of how I was raised in the East coast does have a big part of it in my family we're all loud there are no filters um we absolutely are going to tell you exactly what we feel as we're feeling it is a blessing and a curse just ask my husband who did not grow up in the same way Um, sometimes he'll be like why are you yelling I'm like I'm yelling but I'm not mad it's just just how we are I'm just feeling I'm feeling my emotions right now let me feel I'm telling you how it is I I feel like the New York way is I'm blessing and a curse I'm gonna tell you I'm doing you a favor by being brutally honest I love that um but also it's like why what's the point who who what is gonna get done by you know what's the purpose of hiding or or I don't know there's no nothing good comes out of holding things in for me I guess who am I helping what's the point right I don't know but yeah, I do think that, um, like we were saying, my first post, um, my blog post that went viral, like forever ago now, nine years ago now, 
uh, 10 years ago, my first one, it was just, yeah, I just started talking about things I was feeling and apparently no one else was doing that. And everyone just wanted to know that they weren't alone in their feelings. And I think that is why it got so big so fast and snowballed into what it is even 12 years, 11 years later. And it's because you were just so completely real and authentic. So tell, I'm sure you've told this story a million times, but tell us just a little bit about what happened that night when you, when you wrote that post or what experience prompted that? Oh, well, I moved from New York. I was already baptized in New York. And then I moved to Utah against my will, but following uh, God's, I guess. Um, and in my ignorance, I, I absolutely realized this is so ignorant of me, but at the age of 21, giving up everyone and everything because of my decision to join the church, um, feeling that the difference it made was worth giving up everyone and everything. That it did not occur to me that people had it and didn't do anything with it or had a problem with it or was struggling with it. <laughs> like it did just, it didn't occur to me. I just felt so overwhelmingly grateful that I could not understand how I went so long not having the tools that I did that come from the gospel. So when I moved across the West and I saw all of these people struggling, um, that is when I picked up writing. Um, uh, and I realized that everyone's experiencing different things in different ways, but everyone ultimately has felt the same way. And so when I see people struggle around me, yeah, I turned it into, into writing. And the way that I try to bring everyone together is touching base on feelings. I feel like that is how we can all rally together. Um, yeah, is, is that we all feel the, the same. So I saw people struggling, picked up writing, and uh, I, I didn't write before then. It wasn't a hobby of mine, but now I can't imagine not doing it every single day. <laughs> That is amazing. And so you said you were 21 and you actually, speaking of writing, you just, you wrote a post about, um, about that experience of being 21. It was, it was your birthday and your dad basically said, you have to choose between me and family and a life you've always known and a world that you've been raised in and a culture that has shaped you. And something you said that's tangible, like real, like I can touch my dad. I can see him. I can hear him. I know he's there. And another father, a father in heaven who you had just learned about, just discovered, was just had this bitty, bitty bud of faith believing in him. Uh, and you said it was a hope, a hope that there was another father, my spiritual heavenly father that loved me. I had to choose between them. I don't even know as, I mean, a baby, like 21 year old, like just making that decision and having the strength to say, I'm going to go with, with my heavenly father that I'm going to choose him because I know that that is the right thing to do. That's what I've been converted to him and, and hopes that your dad would someday come around. How, 
how did you do that? I don't even know that I was converted to him. Like I, like you said, and like I, I wrote, it was just a hope that, that it was. Um, I Part of my personality is I am absolutely stubborn. Um, and that was such a good thing <laughs> to be, um, to keep going in the wonder and in the pain. And so, you know, I didn't choose my dad, but I didn't, to be, to be honest, I didn't think that he would keep his word, but I think I, I don't think he didn't think I wouldn't choose him. So I think he was hurt enough to follow through with silence. Um, And I, yeah, I didn't think he would do it and he didn't think I would do it. And then we were both hurt and then. You know, but I was stubborn enough to just, I needed to see it through because I was stubborn enough to. And like I told, we were talking before this, that my motto always has been, even before I recognized it, I do want to take chance on my reoccurring ideas and my reoccurring thoughts. Um, and that was just one of them. There was just this pull and there was nothing to it at the time except this pull um and I just chased it um and yeah it brought a lot of loneliness it brought a lot of pain it brought a lot of silence and just deep anguish and sacrifice like the sacrifice and that was just the beginning of it you know that was just right out of the gate out of baptism but I feel absolutely I have gone through things and sacrificed things a hundred times harder than than that it's just the sacrifice of trying to follow him that I feel like is is never quenched always thirsty this the sacrifice of needing more from me but um if you give chance on it one time and it works out it just gets a little bit easier to keep doing that <laughs> in future times do you uh, how long was that silence with years. your dad years oh yeah yeah and i was already getting into speaking and people would be like okay so what about your dad like hoping for a resolution and i'd be like well we'll see you know, there's a, many years that I would be speaking. They're like, okay, but what about your dad? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. And I was, when I moved across the country, I had to cope with the idea that I may never see my dad again because I was leaving in silence. And now I was ripped away from him um, ripped away from anything I've ever known. <laughs> and yeah. And, and I said, okay, well, maybe this is it. Maybe, maybe this is it. Um, but like I said, I just was stubborn enough to just, I had to see it through at that point. Uh, you know, I had to take chance on my good reoccurring idea to see why it keeps coming back. Um, and I get to, yeah, across the country and things just got even worse. And so I actually found, we have this, um, it's just inaccurate to think that if we're doing what God wants us to do, that things will just fall into place. Or if it is right, it will be smooth. And that has rarely been the case to me. Um, one of the, all of the best things I've ever received has come from great pain and sacrifice. Um, I was just reading DNC. I read scriptures every, every night. Uh, on Instagram on a separate account to study the scriptures every night 
and I was just reading about after much tribulation come the blessings and I realized reading that just recently writing about you know my dad like re retelling that story recently um I don't think that it's because we're trying to earn or prove anything in my experience of struggle and the pattern of bad to worse to even worse I just realized that after much tribulation it's because no not earning or proving but those paths the paths of great pain and unwanted and unexpected that is where the best fruit comes from my yeah uh, no, I I agree with you, and I've I've thought it's almost it's almost like pulling back a rubber band. Like the further you pull, I imagine that's like the your deep tribulations and sorrow and aches and pains and and trials. It's like pulling, pulling. But when you release that, how much further that rubber band goes? If you pull it back just a tiny bit, little trials, little sacrifices you're not able to go as far and experience the joy for every reaction. There's an equal and equal and opposite (laughs) reaction. And so the, I feel like the people that experience um, more tribulation and trials and sacrifice have a capacity to receive more joy and happiness. It's, it's the deeper you go, the, 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 the more you can be filled up, the further that rubber bands pull back, the further it will go. And when it's being pulled back, you're like, stop. And, and to where you think I'm going to break, I'm going to break. I can't. But then if you, you know, the moment we let heavenly father, okay, you can take over. Zwing. I mean, he just propels us further than we can get on our own. Had we not experienced that and been through those things that let that, that connected us closer to him and that made us rely on him. And you talk a lot about that. Like, you had to rely so yeah. much on the savior. Like you had no, you had no choice. It was like, it you was are my the only greatest person. thing that could have happened to me being by myself. I know everyone wants and needs community and you do thrive better with it. But I will always say having no one and nothing is exactly what I needed because I figured it out with him. That is how, that is exactly how he became real to me. That is exactly how I learned how he works in my life because I had to invest in figuring it out and experiencing, uh, experimenting. I didn't even know how to pray. I didn't even, and you know, no, I will never say nourish and strengthen. Why? I don't talk like that. Why would I say that? <laughs> Why would I talk to him any different? You know, who am I fooling? Uh, But what I have learned is absolutely invest in having a real relationship as if he is standing right in front of you. Um, I have learned that it not working out. Is it working out because of the redirection and the path that it puts you on that wouldn't have happened otherwise? It not working out is absolutely it working out. Um, And yeah, I just all of those times... It's been interesting. If we are not getting what we want, then we say God is not there. He is not listening. He is not taking over. And it's like, why? Because he's not giving you what you want? Or, you know, miracles. From my my life of going bad to worse to even worse, um, what? Is a miracle avoidance and prevention? 
when when something gets taken away or when we get what we want we'll say oh miracles but a miracle is not avoidance and prevention and and god's existence is not hinging upon us getting what we want and so learning and recognizing that i am able to stop myself um and pull reel myself back in a little bit and realize that I subconsciously put this box around him and how he can come to me and how he should be coming to me. Um, when I get rid of that, I am able to see that through it all, the unwanted, the unexpected, the uncharted, the passing time, that he is absolutely always there showing me and it was just going over my head I do I limit a limitless God with my own desires um and so I'm learning to look for him and I do I do find him I find him in the times where I initially feel like I don't see him feel him hear him um because he is a limitless God that is just trying to teach us and show us what else that's hard to do because there are lots of people that say there's no way that God exists because look at A, B, C, D, look at all these horrible things and yep. look at your life. Look at how all the horrible things that happened to you. And he didn't answer. Didn't you pray for that? Well, he didn't even answer that. So how can you believe in that? So I love that you bring up that point that it's not, well, if you do this for me, then I'll believe you're real or, or then I'll have more faith. Um, it's believing in him even when, and even still, and even though, that is what takes true faith and courage because it is it is hard to be like, hey, nothing is working out, but I'm still trusting that you love me and there's a reason for my learning right now and my growth right now. That's he, hard to that, – it's hard to be wildly optimistic in those moments. How do you say, do that? Well, people say, I don't know that I could have been born, like born without – not into the church. Yeah, yeah. I do not. I could not. I could not grow up in the church unless there's no way. There's no way. I wouldn't be a member still. I wouldn't. No, no, no. If I grew up in the church, forget it. Mm -mm. Why? Why do you say that? Oh, the contrast that I have because I wasn't. That is my anchor. Because we have too many times where we are wanting more from him because we're not seeing him in the way or feeling him in the way we want. Um, and I do, I doubt. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder and I wander, but I hold on to knowing for sure that I had 21 years without feeling and having what I feel now. You know, I just, here's what I think it is. I even fall victim of this. We, we say, oh, I wish I felt the spirit more. I wish I don't feel it that often. And, you know, I still can say I wish I felt it often, too. I do not ever rarely have these overwhelming, like, experiences where I'm like, oh, my gosh, I felt it, you know. But I, I always go back to the anchor of contrast from conversion at 21, which is when I got confirmed, absolutely there was a physical difference, night and day difference from getting confirmed Getting the gift of the Holy Ghost was a physical difference. And so I remind myself, wait, this is different. 
this was not how it always has been. And so um, I just, there's always another way to look at things. And so in the times where I feel like, oh, I wish I felt the spirit more. What if, what if it is working so seamlessly, just like he promised it would? What if it is ingrained in us so well just like he promised it would be that we don't even recognize it. And what a beautiful reality that is, that it's no, not that you do not feel it often. It's just, yes, you are feeling it so perfectly and seamlessly embedded within your existence, just like he promised it would be. And so those 21 years of contrast is my anchor for the times that the adversary skews my perspective to get it all backwards. Uh, that's so perfectly said. I had um, a, a um, gospel doctrine teacher once say, um, imagine like a fish in water. Does the fish know it's in water? No, it doesn't know, but it knows when it's taken out. Then it knows. So we're in the water or we're in the Holy Ghost right now. And your contrast was before you were without the water and then suddenly submerged. And you're like, Oh, life is so much easier. I can breathe. I'm in the water. And other people, like you said, that maybe have grown up in the gospel, they've had the water their whole life. They don't know what it's like. Don't even know. They don't even know. Yep. But I love that analogy of what if it's just working so well that it's just, nope, it's just because it's all around you all the time. And then, but when you're in bad situations, when you're, when you're sinning, when you're when you're going down the wrong path, then you start to be like, oh, wait, now things feel Something's different. different. Something's mm-hmm. different. Something's off. Maybe, maybe you don't feel yourself take the sacrament, but do you feel a difference when you do not take it? I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Even, even during COVID, like last year, before when churches were shut down and before we got approval from bishops and state presidents, I'm like, uh, and, and not because of anything wrong, but I noticed the difference in my life. I'm like, I have not had the sacrament in three weeks. That's so strange to me. And totally like noticed the difference of this feels different, not being able to partake of that and have that. And, and it was, it's like, oh, I need that. I need that in my life. So what are some things that you do? You talk about reading your scriptures and you do it online. Tell us the Instagram account that you read your scriptures every night. It's read with underscore L. Read with underscore L. So so besides nightly scripture reading, what are some things you do to keep that water around you on a daily basis and to oh, feel and be submerged? Whole, it's my whole being. I've made it part of everything. It's not... it's never been, I'm going to sit down and make time for spirituality. It's uh, everything. My hobbies are around it, you know, my, it's just, and that's what I try to do with my kids too. It's not something separate that you carve out time for. It's, it's everything all the time. Um, And so, yeah, writing even, self-reflection even, going on runs, which I just picked up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to make time for you and him for yeah listening for anything I don't know I don't know <laughs> I I feel like it's a game for me um how else can I 
see and understand God in new ways. And so I do. I look for it. And absolutely, I find it. We find what we look for. And I've made it a weird, a weird game to car intentionally change my perspective to seeing him in everything. Um, I remember when I was pregnant with my third, I was diagnosed, complicated, high risk. They told me, ah, good chances I'm not going to live. And it wasn't until um, they it went away. I went my entire pregnancy thinking I could probably die. It randomly went away. Never happened before. The doctor's like, never saw this in my life. And obviously I thought, wow, God is good because what? I'm alive, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and I And I hated that. Um, the thought that what God is good because what I got what I wanted right we just talked about this and I realized what did that mean God just wasn't good the other eight months of my pregnancy Um, and so I turned it you know just the adversary he gets me to stand still I'm not gonna go and do these awful sins that's just not how he gets to me but he gets me just as bad just as effectively um it's to do nothing to stand still to sit a little longer in my problem solving in my planning linger a little longer in my uh unreadiness or or you know anything and so I got to start thinking if I believe um that God is real and he is mine and if i believe that his his, he only exists to bring me to the better things then how can i find him in the times that i don't see him feel him hear him how can i take that one step forward even if that next step is small and so um, being an optimist it doesn't mean that hard times don't come. It's just that you are ex- proactive in telling yourself otherwise when everything tells you, you know what I mean, all is lost. So, so yeah, it's just this weird game that I am constantly playing with myself is how can I prove the adversary wrong? How can I change my thinking to find him? If I don't see him, um, what can I shift to change that? Because I believe he is always there. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm just stubborn freak that refuses <laughs> to be unhappy. <laughs> that refuses to let Satan take you down. But Al, like that strength that you had, I, it, that you, I mean, you call it, yeah, it's like a game, but it's, it's absolute like stubbornness in, and I would say stalwartness in the gospel. And like, I'm like nothing and no one will take me away from the savior and, and okay, call it a game, but it's like, I'm, I'm going to prove that Satan won't get me and, and, and he can't, he can't win. He's not going to get me down. So what, what do you do in the moments you said that you feel like he gets you to stand still? We talked a little bit about this before the podcast too. And I said, I felt that before to like frozen almost like I'm the same. Like I've never, I've personally never been tempted by the big major sins and the big major things, but it's the little things. And a lot of it is, is laziness and complacency. And I'm too tired to do that. I don't want to do that. Oh, I'm grumpy about that. How do you ah, shake off that dust and no, awake my soul. You know, like Nephi, sometimes I imagine that's what Nephi was saying, like, stop it. Just stop being lazy. And, or, or I can, that's too much. How do you unstick yourself and, and start moving again? If you feel like, Oh, I notice I'm slipping into that pattern. of Well, 
something feels off if I'm stagnant. I just feel, you know, um, and I do, I ask myself, what does my next step? I, you can, if you do a, a, a moment's pause and self-reflection of what you and how you feel in your life, you absolutely can very clear if you, if you're standing still, you, you can recognize that easy. That's not some sick game. It's just, you can tell when there's, yeah. and so I always ask myself, what does my next step look like? Even if that step is small. And so I problem solve and I plan and I, you know, it's interesting because like, it's just so dangerously subtle how looking beyond the mark is. We hear yeah. about looking beyond the mark, but but it is so such a subconscious thing, you know, um, getting caught up in the weeds with things that seem like they matter but aren't actually important. And yep. it slowly causes confusion and distraction and, and haze. It's like the adversary is a smoke and mirrors to intellectually and blindly fall victim to him, the, the adversary. Um, I don't know. I just, I don't know. To, I don't know. I, learning to recognize the adversary has been um, very productive. Well, and how he approaches each one of us so differently because how he chooses to approach me is different from how he'd approach you from my husband, from your children to my children. Um, and, and, and my patriarchal blessing actually talks about that. It's here's how he chooses to approach you. So it gives me a little heads up like, oh, I can be aware of when those things are happening. Like, see, this is what he's doing. He's approaching you and this is, and, and is so subtle and cunning, like you said, like just almost like, wait a minute, is he there? That's probably not bad. That's probably not. He he, like makes you almost think, oh, I just thought of that. That's not that big of a deal. It's not that bad. Until like the scripture that says he carefully leads them down to hell. It's careful. It's not shoving you off a cliff. It's little tiny things and little everyday decisions. And even just instead of you know, making you do a big step in the wrong direction, just holding you back. He's so subtle and, and, and cunning in the way that he proposes his ideas. And it's like that scripture that says he leads them carefully down to hell. So I'm, I love that you point out like him hiding in the bushes and him, the smoke and mirrors, and I'm not really here. You don't, nothing to see here. Nothing's going on. And that we do need to be on our guard now more than ever to recognize him in his many forms and, and in the many ways that he tries to tempt us and get us to stop pushing this amazing gospel forward. Um, I have learned, well, obviously that all good things are God, which is fine. I'm sure you've heard that before and that makes easy logic sense to you, but I think that overflows um, into something much greater. So, um, we feel like we may not be feeling God as often as we want. But what I have learned is that all good things come from God, including feelings. Uh, so any, I could be struggling, but, but did I laugh that day? Um, yeah, I, I did. That is, that is good. That could not exist if God 
did not exist. Me even just laughing is God participating in my life. Good is is there because God is there. And even if he is not coming in the way that we hope, there is something good still happening. And that is God participating in your life. It could be uh, just the thought of being able to give it another go at it. Just the subtle like hope or, you know, any anything good, even feelings is God. But on the flip side, if it is not good, it is not God. And so right. pay attention to how you are talking to yourself um, or the thoughts that you are having. If they are not good, it is not God. If it is not God, that means it is not reality, which means you can change and alter and remove yourself from that. Um, and so are, yeah, how, where are your thoughts? How are you talking to yourself? Do you feel like all is lost or why bother? Or, you know, those things, that is not how God communicates, even when we do need to change. Um, and so when I recognize that it is not God, I, I do, I, I get in like fight back mode. I'm more productive. I realize that I absolutely have the power to cast him out, a power he has to obey. I turn more fully to God and look for different ways um, that aren't skewed. And so, and so, yeah, learning to recognize the adversary so we can cast him out and move forward without any of the needless crap we don't have to deal with. I think of um, Adam and Eve. He got them to hide from the only ones that could help them in the garden. They said, oh, you're naked. Go hide. Hide yourself. Don't go to them. Anything that is stopping you and your efforts from getting closer to God and what he wants you to do absolutely is the adversary. I love that so much. I love that phrase that you just used. If it is not good, it is not of God. And if it's not of God, it's not reality. Oh, that hit me so hard because it is. It's the things you're not good enough. Why even bother? You shouldn't try. You're doing such a bad job. Oh, your kids are going to be ruined for life because of how much you yelled at them today. All those things. And it is. It is true. But oh my gosh, that phrase, if it's not good, it's not God. If it's not God, it's not reality. It isn't real. It, it, it's not, I should give up. Oh yeah, I should I shouldn't try. Yeah, I am really bad at this and, and at life. You're right. God doesn't communicate that way. But oh my gosh, how convincing Satan is to convince us that, that is the re that's the actual reality. So what what advice would you give to moms like you and me? Um, maybe that are our age, um, that are, you know, maybe at a point in our life where we're like, okay we're at the now what phase. Like I'm, I've, I'm, I've had my kids, maybe we're done. Maybe we're almost done. They're being raised now. And it's like, what is my, what is my purpose? What, what is my next step? Like what, how do I, what's next? How do I stay excited about life and about my role in this gospel? How am I needed? Um, well, I think what, uh, I don't know where, what season um, you may be in listening to this, but I think if you have not gotten to this part in your journey, now is the time to do this. I think everyone needs to invest in the time first to learn to love yourself. 
that may seem a little irrelevant to what you just asked me, but no, not at all. When we invest in learning to love ourselves, um, a more fulfilling life is, is it unravels. It just, it just blossoms. The way that you fill your time will absolutely be different. So how can we learn to love ourselves? Well, uh, and this is even when you are a mom of any age of kids, uh, and hopefully before you have kids. I was asked, what do you wish everyone did before they graduated high school? And I said, learn to love yourself, because then everything else just becomes noise. So how do we do that? Um, spend time with yourself. Um, get ready naked spend as much time as you can home uh, naked and I stand behind that <laughs> okay tell me why why just oh, to, be, to learn to accept your to body so comfortable with yourself that it doesn't even phase you that that will carry into relationships that will carry into your confidence that will carry in how you even posture yourself um to be so so, uh, you know, to not even have a thought towards how you look. Oh my gosh. Do you know how liberating that is? is it totally would be. Cause that's all I think about. I'm like, don't look in the mirror. Don't look in the mirror. Oh, Hurry, get in the shower. Get out. I don't saw, look. I saw the meme that says you're either the naked, you either have a naked neighbor or you are the naked neighbor. And I, said, <laughs> I, I am the naked neighbor. I get, but I've lived on my own ever since I was 17. No roommates lived completely by myself I've spent a lot of time with myself um and I spent a lot of you know I've gotten to a point where nothing with about me phases phases me I don't there's nothing about me that makes me uncomfortable and does that make every aspect of my life better yes because there have been times mostly when I moved to Utah and was treated so poorly that was the first time I ever felt uncomfortable with myself and when you are uncomfortable with yourself, it affects almost everything. It's true. It's 100% true. Yeah. So um, please, for the love, try new things. Um, it is it, uh, for the love of everything good in this world. Figure out what makes you feel filled and then do them and always make time for them. Um, people always ask, one of my most asked questions is actually, well, how did you do X, Y, and Z? And how do you make time for X, Y, and Z? And I tell them, I love my kids. Oh my gosh, I love them. But I also love me too. And I believe it would be such a disservice, not just to myself, but also to my kids to what? Not teach them to show up for yourself. If I don't do the things that I love, if I don't do the things that make me feel filled, yes, that is a terrible disservice to me that will affect everything. Um, but what does that teach my kids? To teach them by showing them that it is crucial to do what makes you feel filled. Um, to show them that they, they matter, that what is important to them, what is important to you, that matters. Um, I, their passions, your passions, they, they matter. You are not secondary in your own life. You deserve your time too. So spend time with yourself, spend time, be naked, 
Do things that make you feel filled. Do new things because self-discovery is never ending when you are created by a limitless God. Um, and so, you know, just learn to love yourself. Um, do new things. Yeah, because whatever stage and whatever age, invest in you. Learn and love you. Everything you love and dream and, and hope is not secondary. You are deserving because you are important too. And I don't know why I went on that little tangent. I just believe that self-love affects affects everything. So do new things. Do happy things. <laughs> Do new happy things. Love yourself. I, I completely agree with you. And I think that Satan either wants us to be depressed or obsessed with ourselves and our bodies and either hate everything about ourselves or be obsessed about everything. Well, I have to look a certain way and I have to be this certain size and my hair has to be like this and I have to be this weight and I have to do this to the point where it's all we can think about. And I think I love what you're saying. If, if you love yourself and you accept yourself as you are, but also are striving to improve yourself, then you can get to the point where it's like, I'm confident enough with who I am that now I can look outward and serve others. And I'm not consumed with thinking, Oh, but I'm so insecure about all these things about myself and, and being obsessed or depressed. It's, it's, a, you want to get to a point where you can forget about yourself and serve others in the way that you're confident enough with who you are that you can now, okay, now I don't need to worry about how I look or how I'm acting or what I'm saying because I'm confident enough with who I am that now I can truly do God's work when and, you, and love yeah, others. When you get there, everything else becomes noise. I mean, yeah. I, I get blasted every day on social media by people and and I just, when you get to a spot where you're good with you and you're good with God, then it's just noise. It's just noise. And it, I'm, that's the thing is I'm, I'm sure it's never easy to hear negative comments and. No, and, and if you catch me on a not great day, I will break down and cry. And for I'm sure. going to cry about it to Ben for half the day, but. <laughs> for sure. Because you're an, you're human and, and, but you all are doing so much good. And you are such a, a, just a powerhouse, a positive light. Um, just, you're just like a firework. You're just bright and beautiful and loud about living the gospel and why it's no, the I'm most amazing loud. thing. <laughs> you're, you're loud in all those things. No, uh, uh. I told my boys, we were, we were talking about lights the other day. I'm like, if I could pick a light for each of you, one of them would be a campfire, like just a sweet, warm, everyone wants to be around him. Everyone is drawn to him. Everyone loves him. What's and one, life? just a little campfire. You're, you're a firework. And that's oh, my, sir. and that's my wow. son Briggs. Giant. Old, beautiful. Everyone looks. Everyone, everyone. It, it's it's like a center of attention. It's like, oh my gosh, look how gorgeous that is, and and it's it's bold and it's and it makes a statement. And that's one, one of my boys' friends. Yeah, a firework light. Here's a good starting place if we wanted to just dabble on light and self worth. Um, every. Every one of you is deserving of everything beautiful and vibrant and blossoming um, because the only qualifying factor you need to everything beautiful, vibrant, and blossoming, you already have 
and you can't get rid of it. Your only qualifying factor you already have and you cannot get rid of it. And then that is your your his. Yes. That's that's all there is to it. You are worthy and deserving of everything beautiful and vibrant in this life simply because you are his. Yes. It's true. And it's 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 simple and yet not always easy to remember. It's such a simple like it's true. You're his, but so many people don't really understand the magnitude, what that really means having his divine light and qualities within you and man if if we fully realized that we could just take on the world and do anything we wanted al yeah. thank you so much for sharing your light and all of your goodness and and i feel like we need we need like a podcast part two and we need to delve into more of like al's self-care because <laughs> i want to know like okay walking around your house naked all the time like uh, I need to know more like about all that and your marriage and like all those things. Like, I feel like I have so many more questions for you now. <laughs> well, I'm happy to talk. The gift of gab is a blessing and a curse. That I would blessing. love to. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to. Okay. We'll see. If we could do like another part two and we'll talk about relationships and our husbands and, and loving your body and giving and getting to that point and everything. I think that'd be so awesome. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and for all the good you are doing. Thanks for listening to this episode of Doing Good with Carmen Herbert, available exclusively inside Our Turtle House. At Our Turtle House, there's something for the whole family. From full-leg talks that you can't get anywhere else from some of your favorite speakers, to fun family home evening lesson plans that follow the Come Follow Me curriculum. There's even short daily devotionals made specifically for your teens. Plus, you can get two months free when you sign up for an annual plan. Just go to OurTurtleHouse.com to get started. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you back here for another episode of Doing Good next week.